Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Thank you all for being with us for Political Rewind today. I'm Bill Nygut. i got a great panel in the studio and lots to talk about, so let's get right to it. Uh, Jim Galloway is with us. He, of course, is the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays and Sundays in the Dead Tree edition of the AJC, and he oversees the Political Insider blog at AJC.com. And this is the time of day on a Friday when we like to ask you if you can give us a little taste of what we're going to see in your column that I assume will be online soon, but in the uh, Sunday newspaper. It'll be up on noon, and it is a Republican effort to ban lying at the state capitol. (laughs) There are some some people who think that you do that by banning breathing, but... Uh, Maybe we'll have to get into that at some point, Jim. That's a very interesting (laughs) conversation uh, to have. Um, Cesar Mitchell is with us today, former president of the Atlanta City Council, now a partner with Denton's, the world's largest law firm, uh, and former candidate for mayor of Atlanta. Hi, Cesar. Great to have you back. It's, It's great to be here, and I shall not tell a lie. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh... Patricia Murphy is here. Patricia Murphy, who worked on the Hill for some illustrious United States Senator, Sam Nunn, for certain, and uh, later Max Cleland, and then came over to the uh, to the light and became a journalist <laughs> and writes columns for uh, syndication, roll call, uh, some for the Daily Beast, but also I always love to talk about your fun job getting to write for Garden and Gun, one of the great cultural magazines in the South. I have no complaints. Yeah. yeah. And and the best thing of all, now covering the Georgia State Capitol for GPB and doing the Lawmaker Show. We love that. Thank you. I mean, what a ride. It's yeah. been so much fun. I'm glad to hear that. Eric Tannenblatt is back with us. Eric Tannenblatt has been involved in Republican Party politics in Georgia and nationally for, what, 30-plus years. Eric worked with everybody from Paul Coverdale back when he was just a state legislator, uh, went on to work with uh, President George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, part of the Jeb Bush campaign, uh, chief of staff for Governor Sonny Perdue, pretty illustrious background. feeling old. Yeah, well, <laughs> you don't look it, Eric. Uh, Eric, the other thing I wanted to talk about today is we haven't talked on the air about the fact that you're teaching a class at Emory this uh, semester. I am. I'm teaching, teaching a class on federalism and the interaction between the federal, state, and local governments and have a number of great Georgians that have come to speak to the students, several of which are panelists on your show, oh, like Buddy Darden and That's Kathy Woolard and... Uh, I've had Karen Handel. This week I had Nick Ayers, who was the vice president's chief of staff. So it's been it's been great. And did you choose – did they come to you and say, Eric, we'd love you to teach. We're going to give you your your uh, uh, choice of what you want to teach. Well, I, I was a guest lecturer over the last several years, and the chairman of the political science department got together with me and said, would you be interested in doing this? And we just talked it through, and that's where we landed. Terrific. All right. That sounds like fun. Um, hey, speaking of – as long as we're talking about uh, schools – this is a good opportunity for me to introduce. We have two new interns, one of whom is in our studio uh, tonight or in the control room, and we want to say hello to uh, to Cherie Pruitt Bonner, who is a graduate student, and there you are, at uh, Georgia State University. It's a pleasure to have you with us, Cherie. We look forward to working with you in the uh, months ahead. Okay, let's get going. Jim Galloway, uh, it's fascinating to me. Yesterday afternoon at about 2 o'clock, Doug Collins came into our studios to do an interview about his bid for the United States Senate uh, against, uh, of course, Kelly Loeffler. And uh, one of the questions I posed to him had to do with that great (laughs) event in the East Room of the White House. Remind everybody what happened when President Trump gave his head his celebratory a moment in the East Room with all the Republicans he, who had been on his side when he was acquitted of uh, the impeachment charges. Right. This was a day after. It was kind of a pep rally. He started introducing every 
every senator pretty much who had who had uh, uh, played a role, and he singled out uh, this young lady uh, named uh, named Kelly Leffler and thanked her for her support. And uh, uh, but then he he kind of he he said, you know, Ms. Leffler, you're going to really like this Doug Collins yeah. guy. <laughs> we're going to we're going we're we're to figure out yeah. this situation here that we've got with two Republicans running against each other. All right, so that happened. So I asked Doug Collins about that yesterday. What was it like to be? Uh, in that room when Trump did that. And then I asked him about what Trump had said about, we're going to figure something out to make this better. Listen to the exchange. What did it feel like sitting in the East Room the day the president made his victory speech and called both you and Kelly Leffler out, as he did everybody who supported him, and said, Kelly, I think you're going to like him Maybe we'll work something out. Has the president, has anybody in the White House tried to communicate with you that they would like to see some other option for you? They're not engaging in this race. But, you know, it's interesting to me when the president would, had read the card and said, you know, that she had fought for her, But then he looked at me in the eye and he said, Doug, you've been an unbelievable friend. Yeah. You've been one that's fought for me. Look, I, I think this is an issue that everybody's trying to make something about. The, I, I know down here within the governor's folks and other folks said, oh, this is going to get out. He's gonna, no, we're, gonna, we're in this. And, and for somebody with principle, I think you understand that. We, when we decided to put people out there on the line and say we're going to do this and ask them to come along, no matter what happens in the future, we're going to move forward on this race. Well, I'm interested in you saying that because then I'm going to ask you if you are uh, able to confirm something I've said a couple of times on Political Rewind, okay. which is my sense of Doug Collins is that you are in this race to stay. <laughs> That you're not looking for a federal judgeship. You're not looking for an appointed position. You want to stay in this fight because it's just who you are. Well, for those who know me, it, it is. Because one or two things are going to be sitting here. And maybe we'll make, a, we'll make a date. I'll be back here on February, the whatever this is, 20th <laughs> next year. I'm going to come back as senator. Okay. But if I'm not, I'm going to be that guy. You know, I'm going to be that congressman from Gainesville who fought for the president, who stood for what he believes, who still is the husband to Lisa and the father to, to Jordan, Copeland, and Cameron. All right. Galloway, then last night. On Air Force One, talking to the media, traveling with him, the president said, I'm thinking I might name him permanent director of national <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> and, and can you, is, is, is there anything more transactional and Trumpish than this? Yeah. Okay, so you've got, you've got, he, he, is, he has booted out his, his current DNI, and he is inserting Richard Grinnell, U.S. Ambassador to uh, Germany, who has no experience. But what this is, is, it was kind of a thinking off the top of his head and a message to Mitch McConnell. Okay, Mitch McConnell, you are backing Kelly Loeffler, so is the NRCC. You want that post? That's fine. I've got, I've got to get through a Senate confirmation, uh, the next DNI by March 11th or so, some, somebody who's, uh, who's approvable by the Senate. So let's take Doug Collins. You get what you want. I get what I want, a loyalist in that spot. Uh, and, of course, Doug Collins says, no, thank you. I, and I think, Patricia, I mean, clearly, <clears throat> if, in fact, the president is thinking about offering him this position, uh, despite what Collins said to <laughs> me and to others, I'm sure, y- you have to at least give a little thought to that, yes? Well, or no? you know, this is not being the ambassador to Bermuda. I mean, this is a job with real responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. This job was created after 9-11 to prevent the next 9-11. And so it's not something that you take because, oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, he also truly, um, as qualified as I really do think he is for the Senate seat, he is, I think he himself would say he is not the most qualified person to be DNI. This person coordinates domestic foreign and military intelligence, and he doesn't have direct intelligence experience. Um, but to me, what was surprising about President Trump's, uh, that I could still be surprised is amazing, when he said, we're going to work something out, I, in a way, I thought it was Kelly Leffler he would try to move along um, to maybe be Secretary of Commerce after Wilbur Ross, um, some other point. And, and it seems like she would maybe be interested in that. I don't know that being in the Senate is as much in her bones as it appears to be in Doug Collins. So I was surprised that it was Doug Collins that he is floating as, hmm, let's get you others. And I don't know that it's really he's thought 
well, maybe Mitch McConnell will think this or that. I think yeah. he's like, oh, that's open. You do that. That's fine. Right. Eric? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I was just going to say the, the, the same thing that, you know, at least now we know what the president was thinking. It was Doug he was looking to try and find uh, another role for. But, but Jim, to your point, too, with, you know, Mitch McConnell wants Kelly Leffler and, you know, confirmed Doug Collins. It's not as easy as you think. And, oh, no. and Patricia can attest to it, too. There's something called a blue slip. And there's yeah. a bunch of Democrats. And whoever the president puts forward is going to have to get through the Senate with uh, the Democrats allowing that confirmation to take place. And there are some jobs that they will not goof around with. And right. this is one of them. They'll, they'll right. give Trump his, you, you can have your, you know, your this and that. You can have your this and that. We'll confirm that person. But DNI, they created that post. For a reason, and they're not there to make Trump's life easy on that on that. Well, pick. you know, it's interesting uh, you say that because uh, Caesar, um, the DNI position, given it's going to be a permanent position, which means the Senate has to confirm it, as opposed to this acting status that that Trump mm-hmm. likes to give to people to avoid uh, a confirmation. Uh, he's now called even more attention to the the uh, the problematic nature of a pending nominee, given that he's put Grinnell in there as acting, and there's probably no one in the Senate who thinks Grinnell is qualified for that job. I make that point because if Doug Collins, for some reason, if part of his calculation is maybe I should go for this, uh, he's not a sure thing getting through the Senate himself. He's a highly polarizing figure in Washington right now. And again, Trump is calling attention more than ever to the fact that you might want to have a really qualified person, and despite Colin's skills, this may not be, this isn't his skill set. No, I don't think it's his skill set, and I think, as Patricia said, I think he knows that as well, and I think he really wants to run for U.S. Senate. Uh, But even though, uh, you know, the election's in November, I think, you know, there's not a lot of time to make some decisions. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't know if the the, this whole thing about creating a primary, that's not, you know, in play anymore. That's gone. That's for next year at best. Uh, So I think some decisions have to have to be made pretty quickly. By the first week week in March. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And I don't I just I don't see Doug Collins, you know, pivoting to DNI. And then, of course, I have I'm of two minds on this. I think it would be a fight in the Senate. However, I think uh, President Trump, you know, probably feels very, very strong right now. Uh, I, I would add to, add to that, uh, to, to Caesar, to, to that is, is, is Collins does have military experience yeah. in the in the National Air Georgia National Air Reserve, but as a military chaplain. Yeah, yeah. Jim, you know, one of the things that uh, struck me yesterday, we we all have dealt with Doug Collins uh, numerous times, and we all know that he is a Got a lot. He's a high-energy guy. Uh, he really knows how to talk about the things that he believes in. And and as I listened to him yesterday, you may not agree with a lot of what he says. I'm not suggesting that everything he says is something we all uh, believe is correct. Nevertheless, I couldn't help but compare him, contrast him to hear. And I'm gonna pl- we'll play this entire interview on a show next week. But the passion that he brings. And the words that he brings to why he wants to be in the United States Senate, and it's such a stark contrast right now to the very halting efforts that Kelly Leffler is having trying to find her voice and her message early on. And and it's, it's, it is a yet another reminder that, that, that being a politician is a profession. You know, it, it requires a, a, a certain skill set, the, the, the ability to, to connect with, with whoever you're talking to, to speak in that language, uh, to know how to approach a camera. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's, that's some, the, the, all that area is someplace where Ms. Leffler has, has fallen short. She's getting better. She's getting better quickly. But but you can tell that it's that it's 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 this is going to be a learning process for her and Doug Collins already has those skills. Yeah, and I I, I was uh, mentioning to Jim earlier I had the opportunity to hear Kelly earlier this week at an event and she has really improved dramatically from when she was first named and I think she's only going to get better and better. All right, well we're going to watch it, Patricia. I'm going to play another soundbite out of this interview with Doug Collins and then give you the first chance to react to it. Um, you know, I took, we talked, he and I, about the uh, stra- unusual process that the uh, governor decided uh, to put together, uh, essentially inviting people to apply for the position. 
and I talked to him about that, and I asked him a question. We'll play the question, and I, his answer really surprised me. Maybe it won't surprise any of you, but I sure want to talk about it. Did you have extended conversations with the governor during that time uh, to talk about your candidacy and whether he would uh, uh, give you that position? If you consider four minutes or five minutes after he had made a decision, a dialogue, yes. That was it? That's it. We were never contacted. We were never asked. We were never, um, you know, brought in for an interview, never brought in to, to talk about why we were better. I literally had a conversation with the governor um, the really the week before uh, she was formally announced and was told that that was who that she would be picking. Were you? Are you surprised by that answer? <laughs> yes, as I, I was? am. I'm surprised <laughs> that he. I'm a little surprised. I mean, he's a very frank person. I'm a yeah. little surprised he told you that. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> and I'm very surprised that Kemp never talked to him. It was no secret that he wanted that. In fact, all of Fox News on air knew that he wanted that job to be the senator. Um, and I guess that tells you that um, Kemp just didn't really give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> about, like, I, I, Caesar, Excuse my language. Caesar, <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I mean, I guess for for Representative Collins to to be that frank and candid, I think there's a backstory there. I mean, he's, you know, he might just be really mad. It strikes me that you're right. Yeah, he's, and that may be driving why he's why he may be running in part at least. And then of course, I I, I think probably with Governor Kemp, you know, he had made his decision that it was not going to be him even before he made a decision that it would be. Senator Leffler, and so and, and to let Collins apply online, yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And, and, wow. And, but but and, and to that to that point is is what what we have to remember is that I think what in September he opened up uh, this this uh, this uh, job application of uh, little little thingy on the internet, and if. It, it kind of speaks to the fact that there wasn't a whole lot of interviewing of applicants uh, involved in that at all. Yeah. Well, so, it could also have been that the governor had in his mind the type of person that he wanted to appoint. Uh, uh, and and right, he a suburbanite, and, uh, a woman. Correct, a woman, a minority. And, uh, you know, he's gotten lots of accolades because by, from some circles because they feel that the governor was thinking to the future. And where is the Republican Party, you know, having, you know, challenges or, or where were they hurt in the last election? So... I mean, I don't know that's the case, but, you know, look, it was the governor's choice and he did what, you know, he was allowed to do. Yeah. And I, you know, that's. Oh, you got No, I was going to say I, just very quickly, I, I also get the sense, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of the hoopla on Fox News and other news outlets talking about Bill Collins being the pick. I get the sense that that Governor Kemp, you know, says I'm not going to be bullied into picking someone. Uh, one one thing I'll add, um, a UGA poll came out, uh, I think, a couple of days ago that showed that Kelly Leffler really is just about neck and neck among Republican voters with Doug Collins in terms of favorability ratings. And so that that's, does speak to Kemp's choice yeah. uh, was is successful. And, well, and, to, and to the effort that he, the, the successful effort that the governor has made to put all these Republican institutions Absolutely. behind her. Well, yes. plus, yeah. plus the fact that Kelly is a U.S. senator for the entire state right. and Doug got a lot of attention during the impeachment hearing, but that's over now and he's a congressman from the 9th District, so he doesn't have the statewide platform that our current senator does. But he's got a national platform that he's exploited yeah. ever since impeachment began and before. I mean, that's what's made him a star and in she the has National spent Republican a ton of money. Party. Right, but that's that's dying down a bit. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Jim, I, I was, wanted... was going to say, yeah, so? <laughs> okay, Jim, uh, you have an interesting take on this, and it, and it really shows us, reminds us of how deep your historical knowledge is of politics in the state of Georgia. To some extent, you see the Doug Collins, Brian Kemp uh, whatever we want to call it, dissonance between okay. them, based on uh, geography and factionalism. Right, right. I mean, I mean, you have to you have to remember that that Doug Collins comes from Gainesville, from Hall County. Uh, he is he was he was very tight to to the the Nathan Deal uh, 
uh, circle, uh, which includes uh, House Speaker David Ralston yep. on that whole North Georgia crew. Brian Kemp is from another another kind of another center of 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 Republican power. He's got some strong inroads with the Purdue with, with the Purdue cousins, and so you know it's uh, what you have to remember is that during this runoff, the, during the the the, the twenty eighteen runoff between Casey Cagle and uh, and uh, Brian Kemp, that that. The Kemp people thought that they had a promise from Nathan Deal that he wasn't going to get involved in this in that contest. At the end, he did it the very last minute, and they thought that was a betrayal. That's when that's when they went after. That's when uh, Kemp started pursuing the the Trump, yeah. uh, the Trump endorsement. Uh, Eric Tenblad, political animosities have deep roots. <laughs> they do. I think. It's, I think a lot of this, though, is inside baseball. Well, sure, but, but oh, of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're exactly right. Yeah, the, the well, balls get hit out. It's meaningful. No, I think what you have is you have a governor who, you know, he's in his second year of his first term, and you know, he's making his own mark, and he's not just going to follow in someone's footsteps. Yeah, and that's right. every right. That's, that's he has every right to do that. Of course he does. No, I don't think anyone would doubt that. I get that. All right. One other quick note, uh, because it relates to what we're talking about here, Kelly Leffler and Doug Collins. Uh, Jim, your colleague, uh, Greg Bluestein, uh, had a piece that was on the front page of the AJC on uh, Friday, this Friday morning. And uh, it essentially just it tells a very simple story. Uh, Kelly Leffler went out and in December, according to Bluestein, bought a jet, an eight passenger, he thinks, jet. So she could fly from Atlanta to Washington, and she could make quick appearances around the state of Georgia as a candidate. There is nothing illegal about having done that, of course. She paid for it with her own money, apparently. But, but the college people are going to have a field day with this as an example of Kelly Leffler being out of touch with the everyday Georgian, it's just an interesting story, if nothing yeah, else. Yeah, and it, and it, it uh, the 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 warning that that the Bluestein has in that in that article is just remember that uh, 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 Claire McCla- yeah. McCaskill uh, was was dinged for that same thing. She lost her Senate seat in in Missouri. I just find it really fascinating that we've got a presidential race on this left hand and a U.S. Senate race here in Georgia on your right hand, and they're both about wealth and 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 the perception of wealth and how it impacts politics but I, I just I think I think that's and, and, and how how if you're in the Republican race it has it has one dynamic in the Democratic race it has another dynamic yeah and I think um, the world has just changed so much. So recently, I remember when Mitt Romney was absolutely annihilated for his car elevator. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. San Diego. Yeah. Trust me, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, you remember. <laughs> and now we have a president who, during his own campaign, would fly around on his own 757 with his name on it. And that was like his calling card. He sort of turned it around and um, flaunts it. And these Republican voters who were so upset with Claire McCaskill and just offended at, at her paying her own way – don't seem to care about that, and I don't know how they'll feel about Kelly's plane. They don't. They kind of like Donald if, Trump's if plane. Put, yeah. If she puts Trump on the on the, if she paints Trump on on, on that plane, I think she's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, just, a, a, a couple points. First, on the Claire McCaskill comparison, different deal. Claire McCaskill lost touch with her voters in Missouri when she uh, had, ran into that issue with the plane. But as someone who has had to schedule a senator and a governor to get around this very big state, the largest state east of the Mississippi, having to go to Washington to do take on your responsibilities, having to set up a Senate office, having to, you know, build a campaign. I mean, Kelly's got to be in a lot of places. And the fact that she's able to do that you know, all the more power to her. And that poll that you just cited uh, obviously making a difference. See, I think, Caesar, that everything Eric just said, by the way, they called it, uh, it in the Missouri Senate race, she was Air Claire. She was using her husband's <laughs> plane and Republicans went after on that basis, her on that basis. So, Caesar, the question here, this story, as I said, there's nothing illegal about it. It may be a very smart move to do accomplish just what Eric is talking about. This is more about looking down the road and thinking, if you were Dan McClagan, who is running that Doug Collins campaign, 
how are you going to take advantage of that? Because everything Eric Tannenblatt just said can be turned against the candidate in a heartbeat. No, I mean, oh, my yeah. life. Gee, I'd like to have a jet because no, I have to be here, 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 and here. I can't afford to buy my own private jet. It's not a question of whether what she's doing is even yeah. smart or, or legal. It's how it can be used against it's, her. It's, it's all in how it gets played yeah. and really how, how Senator Leffler handles it. You know, whether she preempts this issue or whether or not she has a really strong and adequate response to how it gets played. I'm yep. sure it will get it will get played. But we're in a you know, th- there used to be a time and I guess it still to some degree exists where you have congressmen and congresswomen who who ride and coach, you know, in the back and they go and sleep on a sofa in Washington. And then they tell everybody they're doing that and they expect to get love and adulation because they are not, you know, you know riding high on the hog. The question really becomes, how is that going to play right now in this in this yep. President Trump era? Okay. You Jim, know. you got a final thought before we take a break? No, I would just note that David Perdue flies Delta, I believe. Yeah. He yes. does. He does. I've been on the plane with him. And, you know, I, I also think that, um, you know, having worked with Dan McClagan in Governor Perdue's office and yeah, even in Senator Covey, he, he – Knowing him, he will take full advantage of it. And I think to <laughs> yeah, I Caesar's think point, sure. I think you know the Leffler campaign is just going to have to preempt it. Well, yep. and the Democrats, within ninety minutes of Greg's story going up, had a blast email going out to raise money off of the plane. So it's it's already in the ether. All right, um, let's do this. Let's get our first break of the show out of the way. We'll come back, and we have a lot more to talk about, including the fact we now do have another Democrat who has officially entered the race for uh, the, uh, uh, what has been the Johnny Isaacs and now Kelly Leffler Senate seat. We'll do all that and a lot more in just a moment. It's good to have all of you with us uh, for Political Rewind uh, today. By the way, uh, mentioned this the other day, but this is the time to mention it again. If you are not registered to vote uh, in the March 24th presidential preference primary, you have until Monday, end of business, to do that. We posted a link to uh, where you can get information about registration. Maybe we can refresh it and put it out again today. So you have until the end of the day. By the way, as long as we're talking about this, Galloway, I read in the paper this morning, we've been a lot of talk about voter purges and people being uh, kicked off the rolls without uh, being aware of it. And I read in your newspaper this morning that Nakima Williams, Jen Jordan, and at least one other legislator, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, were shocked when they found out they've been dropped from the voter rolls. <laughs> yeah, so 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 check your check your registration yeah. this weekend. Well, that's the link that we will put up. It's a link that will show you. And Tom Faust says it's up. Go there. You plug in your name, your you know uh, address, whatever, and it'll tell you whether you're registered. And if you're not, it'll show you how you can go, go out and do that for March 24th. Senator Williams said she was uh, at a kind of a voter demonstration effort to show this is how it's being done. This is how you can register online. She's like, so example, here's how I registered online. And her the wrong address came up. And she was like, well, that's not my address. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's got to be over. greater transparency. And I'm not sure if that's from the Secretary of State or wherever on how these names are being dropped. I mean, when I'm talking about transparency, I mean people you know, understand this on the ground in communities. That's an interesting um, observation, because I think what I'm hearing you say is that not just transparency in terms of the rules by yes. which people are, but if if Nakima Williams as an individual is dropped, there should be transparency. Yeah. She should be able to detect why she was dropped. Exactly. Right. And also, we need to make sure, too, it's clear to people that this is not the secretary of state does not input the data. This is happening at the county, county level. Counties. And in that example, I think it was probably Fulton County, mm-hmm. where they didn't type the address in correctly. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's, it, yeah, much better job has to be done. You can't be a, a state representative or a senator and be dropped from the rolls and have no idea you've been dropped. 
I mean, I don't know. There was at least one Republican drop, too, lest anyone, Jim Galloway, think that this was a plot against Democrats. Oh, no. This is this is this is bureaucratic competence and 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 the integration of 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 separate computer systems. That's what this is all about. Um, Jim, let's just spend a minute uh, talking about the fact that we now have another Democrat. We've talked an awful lot about the Republicans who are in the jungle race in for the special election for what is now the Kelly Leffler seat in November. Uh, But uh, we. Ed Tarver, former uh, U.S. attorney appointed by Barack Obama, coming out of a state Senate seat to do that job, he's now officially in the race, despite the fact, apparently, there were an awful lot of Democratic leaders who were trying to talk him out of it because they sort of would like to clear the field as much as possible for Raphael Warnock. Right, right. Uh, Ed Tarver is a former uh, state senator from Augusta. He's a former federal prosecutor. He's 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 well thought of. Uh, one of his primary disadvantages is that he's not from Metro Atlanta, so he doesn't have a built-in high profile. He's he's relatively unknown. I, I would add we have yet another uh, candidate beyond him. Uh, Alan Buckley, right. who who uh, uh, a, who was a libertarian and ran against uh, Johnny Isaacs in, in 2016. Got about 4% of the vote. Yeah, four, uh, 162,000 votes. And that could become very, very important yeah. in November. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm glad you reminded us of him. And we should also point out, of course, that Matt Lieberman is a Democrat who's in that race. Um, Caesar, I, I think that Jim makes an interesting point, and, and I'd love to hear your take because you are an Atlanta man. Um, it is tough to win a statewide race if you're from outlying parts of the state. And we've seen that over and over again historically in Georgia, being an Ed Tarver from Augusta, being a Teresa Tomlinson from Columbus adds a real burden to your opportunities, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, I, I, candidly, it's, it, there are aspects of that rationale that are problematic for me. And I think, you know, you know, lack vision, candidly. I mean, if you're a Republican, you can be outside of the city of Atlanta and do very, very, very well in a statewide race. Why not as a Democrat? I think there are some flaws in the rationale that if just because you're, you know, just because you're outside of Atlanta uh, or outside the Atlanta media market that you can't fare well. I think that that there is some I think there is a, a, you, missed you, op, a missed opportunity on the part of the Democratic Party to take that posture. And here's and here's why I say this. Um you know, and of course, I I, I know everyone in the race, uh, and have um, and have a high regard for for the Democrats that are in the race. Uh, but when you think about someone like a Senator Tarver, who is very well known outside of Atlanta, who's you know was President Obama's appointee as U.S. Attorney, who's been in the state legislature, and literally has some name recognition outside of Atlanta. Uh, the strategy could be, well, he's he's got a really good level of credibility outside of Atlanta. Let's just get him known in Atlanta yeah. by Democrats. And so uh, to, 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 to miss that potential opportunity, I think, is a mistake. Uh, and, you know, I can go on and on about it, and I do have some opinions about how this will shape up. But, you know, I won't, I'll no, save that for the next Eric. No, it, but this is a jungle prior special election, yeah, okay. so it's not a, a Democratic primary. Mm-hmm. I, I actually know uh, Ed Tarver, um, oh, and I've known him over the years. He's more of a centrist than mm-hmm. Warnock. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, one could argue that uh, more of a centrist would have a better shot than someone who's more extreme when you're talking about a general election. I think, Patricia, that's a good point. <clears throat> I do, um, except in a jungle primary. In a jungle primary... Uh, it will help either party to have one big name in the race so that those votes, if, if you have partisan voters, which most voters are partisan right now, um, go into the ballot box. You don't want them choosing from two well-known Democrats. You want them choosing from one. And so if there were a primary, I think you could absolutely make the case that here are two strong candidates of different vision. Democrats choose and then the best will go on at the moment to have on both sides to have two uh, strong Qualified candidates splitting up their voters is 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 strategically not right. helpful. It's tougher. Right, right. The the other thing we need to 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 remember is that when uh, Warnock uh, announced earlier this month that he received an immediate endorsement from both uh, Senate Democrats and from Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Uh, okay. By the way, I, I'm, my memory has just been jogged. 
uh, because we did have Doug Collins on earlier. I want to make sure I say something. Uh, we've invited Kelly Leffler to be here. Uh, we've invited Raphael Warnock to be here. Matt Lieberman has already been on uh, the show. Uh, Stacey Amico has been. We've tried to get everybody on the show, and I just want to make sure we don't leave this hour with people thinking somehow Doug Collins is the guy we're interviewing. We are hoping Kelly Leffler's people will, in fact, uh, give us an opportunity to talk with her. All right, let's move on. Patricia, you're down at the state capitol. It's interesting that we've been waiting for a sports betting bill from well before the start of the session, and uh, it wasn't coming, and it wasn't coming, and we sort of wondered when it would. And finally yesterday, Burt Jones, Senator Jones from uh, Jackson, dropped a sports betting bill. He, oh, he sees it as being run by the Georgia Lottery. He sees a, what, a 20% tax on the companies that are on the wagers that are being placed, I assume that's how it does. Ta- no, a tax on their income, and he would uh, he would earmark five percent of that revenue for uh, Hope scholarships. Where is this headed? Well, you know, I think the timing is fortuitous for him um, because had this uh, been dropped uh, before all of these conversations about the budget, I think it would not have had. You know, it would have sort of been another sports betting bill. Uh, the the conversation at the Capitol right now is the budget and the the um, foreshadowing of more difficult budget fights in the future. And anything that is a revenue adder suddenly has a much a, a much more attractive element to it than it, that maybe would have otherwise. So I think it's an environment. It's as good a an environment um, to have be having this conversation as you could have hoped for in the last several years. So uh, everybody weigh in on this. Jim, uh, uh, we've mentioned on the show any number of times, we've got four the four major professional sports teams here all coming together as a coalition to say pass this bill. Yeah, and that and that's important because uh, gambling per se as, as a topic at the Capitol has not had any outside institutional support before. The homegrown. I mean, you've had you've had uh, Sheldon Nadelson, you've had Las Vegas, you've had New York come in and and, and lobby for it. But these for are casinos. Yeah. For casinos, but these are homegrown institutions, and I I think that does make a difference. I also find it very interesting that Bert Jones is the fellow who raised his hand and said, "I'm going to I'm I'm going to pursue this." Uh, Bert Jones, if you recall, uh, over the last couple of years has been the fellow at the center of the state effort to to put the Atlanta airport under more super, uh, state supervision. Yeah, I also uh, noted that Virginia Galloway and the Faith and mm-hmm. Family Coalition has already come out opposed yeah. to the bill. So in an election year, it will be interesting to see how active uh, the social conservatives are. Yeah, I mean, Virginia Galloway, Caesar, has been all over the place uh, uh, lobbying against this bill, speaking out in the media about the bill. And, of course, the Faith and Freedom Coalition is Ralph Reed's organization, uh, and, and they've always opposed gambling, uh, and they are still a force at the state capitol. No, absolutely. But I think it'll be interesting to see how this this sports betting bill will fare. I think there's a big push behind it. All right, we're going to watch how it unfolds in the days ahead. Uh, Jim, is there any reason to think that it it's, it did shouldn't should have come sooner? It's a, a little surprising that it comes at this point. In this no, session. no, you still got time. Uh, crossover day is March twelfth, oh, so you've okay. got a good, so you've got a good long period. And 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 plus a bill like this, you wouldn't want to put it out at the beginning of a session because it would take oh, uh, take too much flack. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure you don't want to you don't want to put a big target on. I it. I think right. in the next week you're going to start seeing a lot more <clears throat> meaningful legislation. Yeah, since everyone's back from the budget recess. Okay. Um, Patricia, you came across an interesting story yesterday. We know that there have been a group of Republican uh, House members who have been uh, anti-Speaker Ralston for quite some time. They were really uh, fired up uh, last year, especially when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution wrote a series of articles exposing the fact, or they said, the paper said, that Ralston was taking advantage of his position as Speaker to get continuances, delays in criminal cases uh, some of the people he was defending had, rec- had were being charged with uh, sex crimes, uh, and 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 the Constitution said he's delayed these cases in some cases for years. Now, so th- the the rebellion against Ralston seems to have calmed down, except that you found something new going on this week under the Gold Dome. 
Well, uh, yes, the the case that really was the most high profile um, was that of Haley Massey, who was assaulted in her home when she was 14 years old. Um, the defendant in the case was a client of Speaker Ralston's, and that case was delayed for six years uh, because of a law in the state of Georgia that lets lawmakers request a legislative delay, a delay if it conflicts with their legislative schedule. Um, uh there was a bill that was passed last year that gave judges discretion to say, no, I'm not going to let you take that leave. Right. Um, it, yesterday, the, Haley and her mother were in the Capitol with a group of Republican lawmakers, those same lawmakers that did it, that pushed for it last session uh, to say that they don't they want there to be no no judicial over no judicial flexibility rather if it's a case of sexual or violent crime mm -hmm. and um i asked what what does the speaker think about this and they said we have not talked to the speaker about it um they said it's not about an individual member uh it, this is about victims because there are still some delays in these uh if the judge and you know the judges is not is not specific to the speaker judges um are can be influenced by uh who's asking for the favor, do you know? And so I think they would rather there be no pressure put on any piece of that spectrum. They just want to say there, you can't have no delays in these kind of narrow, narrow just crimes. Just take it off the board exactly. in, entirely. Mm -hmm. uh, they dropped that bill yesterday. I, Galloway, I, it's hard to know exactly where something like this might go. Ralston did last year in an effort to try to salvage uh, some of the uh, damage that was done to him over the stories. Uh, he took promote he, he, a, a yes, measure. Yes, he, he took a very aggressive yeah. uh, uh, um, attitude toward it, and 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 there was introduce, uh, legislation introduced. Uh, the, the governor signed it into law, and and I think, uh, which which makes me doubt that that uh, this legislation that Jeff Jones has introduced is going to go anywhere. Yeah. They had um, Speaker Ralston's office pointed out there was a very. Uh, uh, not just a thorough review, there was a commission basically impaneled and included mm -hmm. judges, victims, advocates, um, people who are involved in these cases. And this is the recommendation that they came up with, and that's what was brought forward, and it was passed with very, very strong bipartisan support. So um, this, I, I agree, I don't know where it goes. There, It didn't make a whole gigantic splash at the Capitol yesterday because there's so much going on. Um, but I was, it, I was surprised to see them all back to take a to take another swing at it because this loophole does still exist. It also, Eric points out that there still is an undercurrent of uh, animosity toward the speaker among some, a handful or more of uh, of Republican legislative House members. Yeah, I just, I, I, you know, since they passed the law last year, I think you got to give the law that they passed a chance to mm -hmm. see if it's still a problem before you continue to legislate. So it it does make you wonder what what's behind it. Okay. You want a last comment before the break, Caesar? No. You good? <laughs> you good. That's it. Caesar Mitchell, stoic on the subject. Let's do that. Wise. Let's take a break. We'll be back with more. So I sometimes wonder if on the other side of the glass in the control room, you know, Sam, Tom, Jesse, everybody's really listening to the show. Uh, Faust just uh, put in my ear during the break that thanks to our public service announcement about voter registration, he just went online while we were on the air and did, in fact, get his registration <laughs> updated. <laughs> so congratulations, uh, Tom Faust, on <laughs> doing that. Um Jim, real quickly, and if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about this in more detail on, a, on our mm – -hmm. so let's do it maybe on our show one day next week. But you had a fascinating column the other day in which you discussed the uh, – a bill that was going to – that presumably was done to allow school boards to be added to a list of – Meeting uh, meetings, school board meetings added to a list that did not have to be open to public scrutiny uh, when they were dealing with school security issues. But you point out that it opens the door for something that could really right, right, be right. There's a phrase in there was a phrase. It's just, it's, it's just a single line of legislation in in House Bill 784, and it, and and it includes that any discussions or assessments of of school security and votes upon 
school security. And at a at a at a a few weeks ago at a at a committee meeting, you had Mary Margaret Oliver, who's on the show this week, uh, uh, note that this would allow the uh, uh, school boards, 180 school boards, to take behind closed doors any votes on whether to put guns in classrooms. Yeah. And uh, the author of the bill, Eddie Lumsden, he's uh, from Armucci, uh, a Republican. Uh, I talked to him this week, and he said, you know, he's, he's been, he'd been talking to count, uh, legislative counsel, and he says she may be right. So it'll be interesting to see where that, that bill goes. Um, it, 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 I throw this out to all of you. Patricia, uh, Mary Margaret went around the studio the other day when this came up, and she asked each panelist, Republican, Democrats alike, and people who are like political science types, uh, would you want a, a, a teacher in your child's school to carry a gun and you didn't know about it? And no matter what the partisan uh, position of any of them, they all said, absolutely not. No. Well, I think, um, you know, there's a there's sort of a, a parallel uh, example in Congress that there are open deliberations and closed classified closed classified deliberations when it comes to security and uh, security measures are are typically mm-hmm. um secret for a reason because you don't you certainly don't want people to know what your measures are in place that's going to prevent them from coming in so that they could get around those measures but at the same time as a parent um, you want to know what is on the list of those measures you don't need to know where and when but you need to know what what's on the table yeah yeah all right I just think it's a fascinating story we're going to watch to see if there's pushback where does it this bill did pass out of committee didn't it passed out of the House government committee and uh it, but it hasn't made it through rules yet uh mr lumson told me that he had actually hadn't asked for the bill to come uh, come out to, to come to the house floor which tells me that there's some serious negotiation going on yeah all right well we'll watch it unfold okay uh caesar mitchell let me start with you on this one if i might uh we had two interesting events playing out in national politics this week both of which i think have some impact on georgia democrats uh, right now. Uh, one of them was the uh, first presidential debate, Democratic presidential debate that included Michael Bloomberg on the stage the other night. We've already got some Georgians who have signed up as supporters of his, Jen Jordan, uh, the, one of the highest profile of, of, of those. Uh, Mike, uh, uh, you know, Michael uh, Thurman has been talking about it. We went through a show last week trying to figure out where he stood. Uh and Bloomberg has his dismal performance the other night. What do you think people who are here looking at him and saying, my God, he's an alternative to Bernie Sanders, how do you think they're all feeling today? Is it just a glitch that doesn't matter? Not, it was his first debate. Yeah. That's it. I it's mean, I think. Yeah, it's his first debate. I mean, and so if you're if you're thinking about it, you know, and, and thinking about it rationally, there are two things, two very important points. He'll be in future debates, so he'll get better. Number one, and number two, he's going to put two billion dollars in this race. Yeah, I mean, okay, but Patricia, I remember <laughs> I mean, that you, but but Patricia, you were the one in the very first days after Bloomberg said he was getting into the race. You had watched him more closely than most of us here in Georgia while you were in Washington, and you were the one who basically threw a lot of cold water on his uh, getting into the race because you've seen. Him not being a very good campaigner, not being a man of the people who knows how. I mean, I was interested in that. And last week he was worse than ever. <laughs> I mean, but but he does have all this money. There's sort of like the the on the one hand, on the other hand. But on the other hand, you you never get a second chance to make a terrible first impression <laughs> on voters. <laughs> I mean, I was under the covers within 60 seconds. It was so awful. So a couple of, I think a couple of things that are important to note. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg has done a very good job of racking up high profile endorsements people who are influencers on the ground in cities and counties around the country. That is notable, and I think that is going to have a positive impact for him. Uh, my overall assessment of this is, you know, if if Mayor Bloomberg makes it, because um, this is everybody's, you know, welcome to the NFL moment. That's what he's having right now. But if he makes it another 30 to 40 days, I think the the bigger issue for the Democratic Party is whether or not we're going to have a broker convention, mm-hmm. which I think will be incredibly problematic. 
Yeah, and and the other the other part uh, that's tied to, to Bloomberg's future is uh, Joe Biden's mm-hmm. performance in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I I, I kind of see Bloomberg as a, a a break in case of emergency, break glass kind of candidate, uh, who's been, been hanging himself out there on the theory that Biden won't make it. So so I, I I'm I'm talking to plenty of Dem- Democrats in the state capitol who are saying, if Biden if if Biden tanks, then we're going to have to make a decision, and Bloomberg will have to be part of that decision. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I think that, that that was the case until after the last debate. I think that Pete Buttigieg's and Amy Klobuchar are actually getting a second look because if Biden tanks in Nevada and South Carolina and Bloomberg cannot recover from what happened, there's going to need to be an alternative uh, to Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and the problem, yeah, they don't. They don't. Uh, 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 in the state capital, Democrats do not want Bernie Sanders. Right. Yeah. Oh, the the reality is that Republicans from the outside. I was getting absolutely bombarded with texts from Republican sources saying, with just saying, could it get any better than this? You know, eating popcorn. What this is marvelous. You know, it, watching the the Democrats go after each other and Bloomberg just was annihilated by his own words, by what he was saying. And so I think the longer this goes on, the more there's, well, break glass if this guy's bad. What if that guy's bad? Who can win? I don't know. I mean, Donald Trump is, it helps him every minute of every day. Caesar, you wanted to jump in. the, The biggest problem that Vice President Biden has right now is that the Nevada caucus is before the South Carolina primary. Because folks in because the, the folks in South Carolina are paying very close attention to how he does yeah. in Nevada, and, and his and the latest good. you know the real clear uh, averages on that poll averages have in Nevada have Sanders at thirty, Biden you know half of that basically sixteen, Buttigieg right on his uh, 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 rear end with fourteen, and even Warren is at virtually at fourteen percent. So. Uh, you know, this is going to be fascinating to watch unfold. And, and, and Eric? Yeah, I was going to say, I think you need to watch Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. I mean, her performance the other day was, you know, quite remarkable. And she does appeal to the same voter as Bernie Sanders. So she could take some of the Bernie votes away in Nevada because he has some issues with the unions there, the culinary union. Uh, and she's raising uh, a lot of money off of that debate. And she's in the same lane as Bernie. But I, I keep my eye on Warren. Well, she would tell you she's no longer in the same lane as Bernie. She is not trying to reposition herself. She can't as get you out know. of that lane. Well, it's going to be tough. I agree. Uh, by the way, real quick, because we're out of time, Galloway, interesting. When you do something that uh, the Bernie bros don't like, people pounce immediately. Stacey Abrams on TV this week defended Bloomberg spending his personal money. She said, you know, it's his money. He should spend it as he likes. I know I'm paraphrasing her. Uh, And people who are Sanders folks started jumping on her immediately because, of course, they don't want to see Bloomberg get any uh, advantages at all. This is is a reminder of what Caesar said. Uh, Bloomberg has laid this financial infrastructure down, including in Georgia. He's given uh, Fair Fight Action five million bucks. Yep. Yep. And I think we have, well, I have underestimated uh, the intensity and enthusiasm and number of folks who really are supportive of Sanders. All right. I'm sorry. I got to call a a stop uh, to the show today. Um, We're out of time completely. But uh, Patricia Murphy, Eric Tannenblatt, Cesar Mitchell, Jim Galloway, thank you so much for a really fine discussion today. By the way, uh, of course, as you all know, Nevada caucuses are tomorrow. We hope they'll have results. Now they're saying, oh, we might not have them until a day or two. <laughs> but uh, that means, Jim Galloway, that on Monday, we bring in our political science A-team. A-team. Uh, Andre Gillespie, Amy Steigerwald, Alan Abramowitz, and uh, who am I leaving? Oh, Audrey Haynes. So they are always great. We'll have them here on Monday's show. I'll I'll, I'll stand down and be quiet. All right, we're out of time. (laughs) See you on Monday.